All right, guys, we live on here, and we are talking to Oregon assistant basketball coach Chris Crutchfield, a decorated career. Uh, I mean, before Oregon, I mean, you want to know why Oklahoma got Buddy Hill and Trey Young and how they became so good. You looked at this guy right here, Lon Kruger's right-hand man for a long time, a Sweet 16 appearance, a Final Four. Now he's replacing Tony Stubblefield at Oregon, who took that job to be DePaul's head coach. And the Ducks team, I mean, we know how that program is under Dana Altman. And I'm sure adding the Chris Crush trail to that staff only does great things for it. Chris, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is a treat, man. Me and Sam have some history. It goes back to OU, so I'm glad to, glad to be on with you guys. See, I, I want to hear about those OU days between you and Sam. I hear, <laughs> I hear Sam used to cut your son's head for the ball. <laughs> Man, Sam is a jack of all trades and master of none. Sam will Man. work guys out. Sam will cut hair. Sam will coach at NAIA school. Man, he would do it all. Man, yeah, yes, sir, Swiss man. Army knife is what we call him. Yes, <laughs> yes, sir. The yeah, question man, is, are you so... still cutting? Man, yes, I am a little bit. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Yes, sir. Man, thank you so very much for this, though, uh, Coach. Uh, I said it's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to get you on, you and your boys. But, hey, no better time than the current. So uh, talk to us, man. How's everything been going your way? Well, you know what? We, we uh, got up to a slow start here at Oregon, man. You know, we took four or five transfers. Uh, we took three high major transfers, and we incorporated junior college kids. So, we're very talented, but it took us a while for us to jail. And, uh, I mean, Davion Harmon from Oklahoma, uh, Quincy Guerrier from uh, Syracuse. We took Jacob Young from Rutgers. And so you're talking about three high-level players that are all double-figure scores that we had to figure out how to incorporate them in, in the offense, how to get them connected defensively. And uh, it took us a while in November and December, but I think now, if you watch our team now, we're starting to gel. We're starting to play a lot better. Um, we won seven of the last eight games, so I think we're, we're we're starting to hit that that peak where we wanted to be in February, so to speak. Yeah, coach. I mean, I look at your record, and, and we know how this college basketball world looks. You know, it's all about the bracketology and the bubble watch and all that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you start off the season, there's no shame in losing the Coach Sampson's Houston team. St. Mary's and Brigham Young look like they're about to contribute to West Coast Conference history with being a four-bid league for the first time ever. Uh, you know, the only blemish probably is the Arizona State game, but it's not how you start in college basketball. It's how you finish. And since then, you got to win against a very good SMU team, UCLA, Colorado, USC. Now you got this February push coming. And, I mean, conference tournament week is right around the corner. You know, how do you just lock your guys into this meat and potatoes part of the schedule where it's one game at a time and take care of business so you can be playing some March ball? Javon, you're correct, and that's what it's all about. And, uh, unfortunately, our schedule wasn't forgiven early on. You mentioned those teams that we played. You know, St. Mary's a veteran ball team with everybody back. Uh, they even had a, a, a returning starter who was coming off the bench now. That's that's how how much depth and how much experience they had on that on that team at St. Mary's. So we wasn't we wasn't ready for that early on because our team wasn't connected. 
just like BYU, I mean, we go up to play in the Motor Center in Portland and BYU was a little more engaged than we were. And uh, just wasn't ready to play that game and get, and get blown out. And that was an eye-opener for our guys to let them know that you have a target on your back. You're Oregon, you're a top 25 team, preseason top 25 team. So, so we had a target on our back, and we didn't, we didn't know how to take that early on. So, but our, our, our team have grown tremendously over the last two and a half months, and I'm happy where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, we just got to get this one game tomorrow after tomorrow evening against Utah and, and try to get this road sweep. We can get back to Oregon, and then we got three games in a row at, at the Matthew Knight Arena. So, so as a coach – when you get losses like that, I know there's there's two types of guys, and the great ones are usually the ones who let's use these losses as a learning experience instead of just gutting our team and practice all week. How do you just balance those emotions? Look, guys, this is you know preseason top twenty five doesn't mean anything. This shows y'all can lose and y'all can underperform. How do you use that in that meeting room to spark something in your locker room? Well. We we had a lot of individual film sessions, uh, a lot of a lot of personal come to Jesus meetings. We we call it, <laughs> where where we, where we have to get guys to understand what their roles are. Because I think everyone has their mindset on the role that they want, and what what we want as a coaching staff, baby, be you know to be united. We want you to have your goals, but we have goals and roles that, that fit our team. So let's let's come together and make this thing work with, with all 13, 14, 15 players. Everyone has value. And that's the thing we preach here is, is everyone has value. So now let's figure out how we can each have value and still have a productive basketball team where everyone gets what they need to get out of the, out of the season. So that that's what it, what it was. We were, of course, we were frustrated because we knew we had talent, and that talent wasn't performing uh, to the level that we knew they had to. So, but but you know, through a bunch of meetings, through a bunch of videos, through a lot of hard work, and sweat, and tears, we was able we were able to get it worked out. And now I think we're we're playing the type of bas- basketball that we knew we, we could play. That's pretty, that's pretty dope, Coach. I got a question for you. Uh, it's going to go back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the experience of actually coaching your kids. How's your boys doing? How are your sons yeah. doing? Talk to me actually, about that. They're doing good. I'm glad you asked, Sam. Uh, though they're at East Central. It's Division II school in Ada, Oklahoma, where I came from last year. And I, I took the head coaching job. And... Um, they're actually doing their, their their team is I think they're eight and ten right now and uh, right in the middle of a pack in their, in their conference so not doing as well as they wanted to be but but through they have some bunch of games that was canceled for COVID just had a game canceled uh, last night because of the weather I know you guys got some snow there so mm-hmm. I know that they do play tomorrow but they're doing well they're happy uh, Jalen is a senior he's getting ready to graduate with his degree in physics in May. And Josh is a junior. Uh, he's getting a business degree, and uh, of course, you know he's he's already lined up. And he got he got his career path already set with with with, with Ty. So he's he, he's ready to go. So they're all they're all doing well, man. I'm proud of them, and I really enjoyed the time that I had with them 
last year and the time we had to coach you. And um, didn't know how that was going to turn out, man, because – and the reason I did it was we was all home together during COVID when everything shut down for the pandemic. And at the time, I was at Arkansas. And they all came home from college, and they was home for three and a half months like everybody was. You know, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. I told my wife, I said, man, I've been doing all this coaching and running around the country, you know, recruiting all these other kids and chasing kids and developing kids. I need to do it with my own. And that's how all that came about. And, and was blessed enough to get the job at East Central and took the job and, and really, really enjoyed the time I, I, I had with my boys, man. And I, I, I cherished that whole year uh, and didn't want to leave. But when the opportunity like the University of Oregon come up, I don't think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't think you can turn that down. Uh, so we all had a family meeting and decided that it was the best thing for us to do for me, for my career, and for our family. So well, I'm here. But they're doing well. I'm proud of them. We FaceTime every other day. and I watch games online uh, when I can. If not, I'll go back and, and watch the recording. So I stay in tune with what they're doing. That's pretty dope. I heard Jalen's a uh, leading scorer for his team right now. So He's doing uh, well. Doing well. Had some, some big games the last couple of games. He's played, I think, get 22 and 17 and been really, really efficient. And that's the thing we talk about is, you know, a lot of guys can take 25 shots and get 25 points. Can you take 10 or 12 shots and get 20 points? And that's what we're talking about with him. So he's doing a heck of a job. That's pretty cool. You said Josh already – What's what do you plan on doing after his uh, his career is over with? Well, I think he's going to go work for Trey. I was yeah. figuring that. I knew that. That's, I kind of figured that, but I, I just wanted to hear you say it. Like, I know that's his boy. I'd be – Follow him on that's, Instagram. That's the plan right now. So, so he's been wanting to do it, but we told him, "Hey, man, you got to finish school first. So he's he he's working at trying to finish school, and he's excited about what 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 lies ahead for him. Man, that's big time right there, Coach. I have a question. Can you just talk about a little bit of your experience at OU, being an assistant there for a long period of time? Yeah, Sean. Um, I think. I think coming into it, when we first came into that that job uh, with Coach Kruger and our staff with uh, Lou Hill and Steve Henson and Mike Shepard, Jeff Capel had just been fired. They had some NCAA sanctions. And we was coming in with, with some lots of scholarships, lots of recruiting days. And, and we just wanted to kind of change the culture. We wanted to, to recruit high-energy guys, uh, guys with competitive natures, and just to change the whole MO. And they was talented, very, very talented team. Um, when Jeff Jeff had the job, they had talent, but we knew we had to do it differently than what Jeff did. So we, we went after guys with high motives and competitive spirit, and Buddy Hill was one of them. And Isaiah Cousins was another one. Then we ended up getting Ryan Spangler through the transfer from Gonzaga, who was a local kid. Uh, that was from the, the Oklahoma City area. And we, we plugged in a couple of the junior college kids, and that was our first recruit class. And the key to this whole thing, Sean, is this, is they all stayed together for the next three to four years. That ended up resulting in a Final Four team, a team of, of four guys that played over 100 games together. And that made a huge difference. You talk about experience at the college level, those guys had experience, um, minutes played, 
uh, time together, practice and games. They've been through some adversity together. So, so we're talking about keeping a group uh, together and a team that was connected for three to four years. And, and that's what the result was, end up going to a final four and having a really, really good year. And of course, Buddy was consensus player of the year and won the award and everything else that came with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about a, a guy like Buddy Hill, you know, coming in from the Bahamas, coaching him up to, you know, what he wound up being. You see him doing good things in the league. And then, uh, you know, you're responsible. So if I hear the story correctly, you're responsible for Long Kruger getting his first five-star recruit in Trey Young. Am I hearing that story correctly? That's what people said. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't know that at the time, but I I assumed being at Illinois uh, at Florida that he had some at some point had a five-star player, but I, I guess he did not. So Trey was the first one. And what was it like coaching guys like that? And then you get to see what they're doing now. Well, every every day was a different day. Every day was special because you knew they did something every day to let you know they were different, whether it be in practice or even in the game. You know, you find yourself looking at the other assistant coaches saying, well, you know, did he just do that? And that's how it was with Buddy. I mean, especially once he got to his junior year and, into his senior year, you know, he had those wild factor games. And then, of course, Trey, I mean, he's so talented, so quick, so so fast. And he had it in practice, man, where he could get into the lane and, and see some things that no one else could see. He could put the ball places where no one else was even thinking about. I mean, he just had unbelievable vision. And he had a pace. A lot of guys are quick. Trey is quick with a pace that allows him to keep constant pressure on the defense. And he knows how to slow down, how to speed up. Uh, I mean, he, he has a unique gift and it. That carried over right now to the NBA, what he's doing. And you know, I texted with him this morning after he had that great game last night with 43. I mean, he, he just was a special. He was a special guy. You knew from day one that he had a talent that was uh, quite, quite different. Yeah, I was in a, a SAT prep class when y'all played Rhode Island in the tournament that year. And um, <laughs> I'm looking at Trey Young that whole season, and then I'm watching that game like, yeah, he's going to be something special in the league. Uh, so when you were at New Mexico State, you, you were under Coach Henson, weren't you? Lou Henson, yes. Uh, you, yeah, rest in peace yeah. to him. I mean, yeah. how did you just soak up as much as you could from an all-time great coach like that? You know what? And I I had been at UTSA for a year, and then I took I went to Tyler Junior College for four years, two as an assistant and two as a head coach. Then when uh, Coach Henson came had an opening, he asked me if I wanted to join staff. My, my good friend Tony Stubblefield was all, already on the staff with Lou, so so I went on went to Las Cruces, and you know I was I knew who Coach Henson was from his career at Illinois. I learned so much about offensive basketball uh, that I thought I knew. And I was a head coach at the junior college for two years. And of course you put in plays and you incorporate an offense. I learned then, I didn't know this, this is, I'm 32 years old at that time. 
you don't run a play just to run a play because you like it. You have to run it because it fits your personnel and it fits what one, two, three option guys are capable of doing. And he taught me how to put guys in position where they can be successful through an offensive scheme. And that's when I first figured out, you know, now when you're recruiting, you're recruiting to this particular scheme because I'm running this offense to fit one, two, three, third option guys. My first option, my second option, my third option guys. So he taught me how to do that. And I tell you a story, we would go to lunch and, and Coach Henson loved Popeye's chicken. <laughs> wasn't supposed to be wasn't supposed to be eating. And he'll tell you, go tell my wife. And he'll pull the skin off the chicken. I said, Coach, that's the best part of the chicken. You can't pull the skin off the chicken. And he would he would pull it off, but he would eat the Popeye's chicken. But when we got done with lunch, guys, he would take a stack of napkins like this right here. And he'll have them sitting on the table. When we get done eating lunch, he'll pull his pen out and he'll start drawing up plays on napkins. Here. And he would be, he'll just drop something and say, guys, I think we can do this, 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 and this. And he'll move over to the side. And at the end of lunch, we had a good pile and a bad pile. He took the good pile, folded it up, put it in his pocket. The other pile, we threw it in the trash with our, with our food, best of our food. Went back to the office, incorporated what we thought would fit our team. I mean, and it's, he had a great offensive mind, uh, a, a really, really special offensive mind about how to put guys in position to be successful. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot being around him, Jamal. I learned a lot. You said he threw away the skin, huh? That's the best part. Oh, man. That's crazy. That's the best part. Man. <laughs> I've been oh, following man. your career, Coach, man. I, I said, I just really thank you for your time on this. Uh, like I said, it's been a long time coming. Like, I've been telling people, I'm like, yeah, man, I know Coach and all this, and this has really helped me because I've seen your journey. You feel me? Like, I watched you. I used to, like I said, you gave me the opportunity to cut your kids' hair, talk basketball with them. Like, I was in the arena watching y'all practice. Exactly. So I'm just super excited for everything that you got going on. I know the Sooners are going to hate me hear, hate hearing me say this, but I'm like, hey, that's the other OU, baby. <laughs> I'm super excited, man. I'm real excited for you. Like I said, your career has been great, man. I'm like, because I used to soak up game from you because, like I said, I would come over as a barber, but I'm sitting there, you know, coaching at the small Randall University, and I'm like asking you questions on the low so I can kind of – use some of what you got to help better me so like I said I just really do appreciate you because I like I told the guys I'm like hey I, I I was just shooting my shot yesterday I didn't think that he was going to message me back and say I'm oh, free today no, no. <laughs> um, man let me let me tell you guys this man I've been doing this for 28 years and and Sean and Javon and Sam young brothers that are doing what you guys are trying to do with the platform you got with this podcast and how you do it, anything I can do to help, uh, I'm all in. I'm all in because all those guys you see on national TV doing stuff for ESPN or Fox, they, they all started doing what you guys are doing right now. Trust me. Trust me. If that's your aspirations to, to go to take it to that level and be in front of the camera, then, then more power to you and I will do anything I can to help support young brothers that's trying to do that, man. So, so keep doing what you guys are doing. 
keep chopping at it. And uh, if I can get some other coaches on with you guys, I'll be more than happy to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, I ain't turning that down. Yeah, I have one more question, and we like to sure. keep, it real, keep it real on the show. What's your thoughts about the transfer portal? Like, do you? Oh think, man, I gotta, I gotta ask. What's your like sincere thoughts about the transfer portal? Do you think it's good for college sports? Bad for college sports? What do you think? I think it's bad. To be honest with you, um, I think it's okay for kids to transfer and have options to go other places if it's not working out at that school. But the numbers that are that are in that portal now is astronomical. We're talking about 600, 700 kids going into a portal. There's not 600, 700 scholarships available. Hmm. So, so the thing I would tell young people is if you if you have a scholarship and you're at a good university, go do the adversity. Go through the trials and tribulations of, of learning how to, to be a good basketball player, a good student, a good person. Don't quit on yourself because you go through some adversity and the people in your corner are telling you it's okay to leave. It's somebody else's fault. Uh, and we have a society right now, young people who, who wants to blame and complain and make excuses. And uh, we have to change that trend somehow, some way. The portal didn't help that, if that makes sense at all. All it does is gave you another route, another avenue to lead. Now, there are situations where a young person was told something when they got to that particular school and it it didn't work out, didn't come to fruition. But I think those situations are all unique when it comes to transfer. I mean, you should you should never have seven hundred kids in the transfer portal. I don't think that when they when they designed it to, to 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 work, I don't think they designed it for that to happen that way. Yeah, go. I, 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 go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. No, I just had a follow up by nil deals, but we can go back to that. After. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta ask some questions. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like you know, because like for my own personal thoughts, like just covering this thing. Like, I know, because um, I, I write for Temple's rival site, like I was saying, and it's, I was talking to the new football coach, Stan Drayton, about it, and he shared his thoughts. He was like, you can't build a program through the portal. And, like, it's just with the guys in the portal, like you said, there's 700 of them. A good 600 of them, it, there's something to them where it's either they're not locked in or, you know, they don't have that competitive edge or something like that. And I couldn't agree more with them. Like, I've got no problem with following the coach that recruits you or, you know, you have a falling out with the staff. That's not your fault. Or, you know, you just get told one thing, like you said, and it's a whole nother situation. But if it just comes to competing and you don't want to compete for a spot, like, that's where my problem comes from. And I look at a guy like A.J. Griffin at Duke. He could have left after last year without getting minutes. Now he's a key rotation player (laughs) on a top 10 team in the country. Like, I'd rather you be that than go somewhere else because you're not getting, you know, the minutes that you wanted. It gives it gives off that like AAU vibe. You feel me? Like, oh man, hey mom, I'm mad at the coach. Can I go play for this other team? Kind of stuff. And like you said, coach, I don't like it at all either. But it's it's the free agency of college, you know. That's what it is, <laughs> and, and you have to adjust with it as a coach. In this university, you have to adjust with it. And 
And I think most most teams at our level, you, you want to stay older, you want to stay experienced. So you're going to take one or two transfers just because it keeps your team older. It keeps you with experienced guys who played at the major college level. You want that opposed to playing with a bunch of uh, 18-year-old kids who don't know, who don't have that experience. So I, I think we will continue at Oregon. And Coach Altman have done this way before I got here. I mean, he was in the transfer portal back in wasn't – a, wasn't a portal, but he was taking transfers back in 2012 and 2013. Yeah. Uh, so so they've always done it, and uh, he's done a great job with them, even with junior college kids. He's always had success with junior college kids and transfers. Chris Dorte was one of them. Continue to do it. We're going to continue to do it. Uh, and no, so, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, so I was going to ask about the NIL deals. It's like, are you a proponent of it? Are you against it in the sense of, like, does it give schools unfair advantages? Like, at school, like, a well, your rival, UCLA. They're in L.A., so they could present a lot of kids' opportunities in the Los Angeles market that you can't get in Spokane, Washington, for example. So what are your thoughts on the NIL deals? Well, I think it's great for college Athletes, I really do. And I support that 100% because I think there is the name, image, and likeness has been an issue for years, for a long time. And, and, and the players hadn't benefited from it. Now I think this situation is unique, but it's also good uh, as long as it's handled the right way. Uh, I don't think it was intended to be a recruiting tool, um, but it's headed that direction right now, as we can see. Um, but I think I think when young people are coming in highly ranked, they do have a name and an image and a likeness. Unfortunately, if you're a top 25 player in the country, you have an NIL situation. Hopefully, they were thinking you would build that once you got on campus. Uh, unfortunately, you know that's that's being built juniors and seniors in high school, sometimes sophomores in high school. So, so that's what it get a little tricky right there, Sean. I think. With, with the name image and likeness moving on moving into the recruiting platform and, and people taking advantage of that situation but I don't think there's an unfair advantage for a particular school at all I mean UCLA has always had an advantage you take the Nil out of the situation they've always had a great advantage because it's LA and it's UCLA is Westwood yeah. I mean it's, it's John Wooden it's, it's championships I mean they've always had an advantage in the recruiting game I don't think it's going to be any any different in the NIL situation compared to any other school. Um, but you, you mentioned the school in, in Spokane. They, they're, they're still having success. Yeah, yeah. And they're still winning. So so at one time, you know, they was considered the best, you know, basketball program on the West Coast. Yeah. So so I don't think it's, it's ever going to be an unfair advantage. It's just going to be different situations are going to – fit uh, different student athletes. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, the appeal of Oregon, it, it, these days ain't too far away from UCLA. Y'all hosted that Phil Knight Classic for a reason. That, that Nike deal. <laughs> I was that just about to say that. recruits up there. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> that does help. But, but, you know, but speaking of the Pac-12 in general, I mean, they call it the Conference of Champions for a reason. That is a gauntlet. I mean, you want to talk about one of the best basketball conferences out there. The Pac-12 is it. Yeah, I mean, you got to compete night in and night out. I mean, it's got to be mentally, just mentally tasking and tiring to just stay that sharp for a full 
20-game conference schedule, doesn't it? No doubt. And this is my first year in the league and having been in the Big 12 for eight years and playing a, a Saturday game, then flipping around 24 hours and playing a big Monday game. You know, you don't get you don't get the preparation, you don't get the game prep. And the same here in this league, we play Thursday, Saturdays. So I mean, we just played a game last night in Colorado, and then we're on tomorrow at 6 30 in Utah. We got one day prep, which is today. And uh, it, it is tasking, taxing on the players, and you have to travel. Uh, but this is the challenge that all those kids want. Everybody talk about playing in the NBA. Hey, you you play back to back in the NBA on the road. I mean, you play four games in five days sometimes. So so you're talking about, yeah, I want to be a pro, I want to be a pro. Can you handle a Thursday, Saturday swing in college basketball? And uh, I like that part about it. And having been in, you know, three, you know, power five conference, you know, conferences, you, all those leagues are good. <laughs> all those teams are good. They, they have great coaches, great home court atmospheres. And uh, I, I, I don't, I know a lot of people rank the conferences around the country. And I, I can't right now say which one is better. You know, I know there, there's four or five, six ranked teams in one conference and the other team has two or three. Do that make it better? Necessarily to certain people, yes. But having gone through the first round of the Pac-12, this is, this is a, a good league. This is a really, really good league. And, and Utah, who hadn't played well, from a record standpoint, I mean, they're capable of beating anybody. I mean, they blew out Oregon State last night, took UCLA and USC down to the water in, in, in Salt Lake City. So they're a good team. Oregon State, you know, had us beat at their place two weeks ago and had a shot to beat us. They just missed a shot. So, and they're, and they're in the bottom of the league right now, but they're capable of beating anybody on any given night. Yeah, and I mean, I know y'all got games with uh, – y'all got the second matchup with Stanford and Washington State coming up, and those are two teams no one wants to see right now. <laughs> They're playing well. Yeah. They're playing really well. Sean yeah. said, y'all got anything else for Coach? No, nah, just go get that, that W tomorrow. Yeah, yes, thanks sir. for your time. We yes, appreciate sir. it. Really, really We will. Us. We will. Yeah. Well, again, guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Sam, much love. Uh of course, I'm continuing to follow you on social media, man. You're doing your thing. And Sean and uh, Javon, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Okay? Best of luck. Appreciate it. Get some Same rest tonight, you, Coach. All right. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Coach. Yeah. Okay. All right. Peace.